0: Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 364 with Tanya Dalton. Tanya is going to lay out how to conquer overwhelm with her productivity perspective. So you'll learn one, where overwhelm truly comes from. Two, how to craft the three components of your personal North Star. And three, approaches for doing a brain dump to boost productivity. So if you'd like to take a look at the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, you'll find it over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F364. Now, here's Tanya's story. Tanya Dalton is a highly sought-after productivity expert and successful entrepreneur. She started her current business, Inkwell Press, in 2014 and quickly built it into a seven-figure company providing organizational tools and education to thousands of people around the globe. Her goal is to help you use the power of productivity to achieve your dreams and find fulfillment in all aspects of your life. She's also the host of the Productivity Paradox podcast. Big thanks to Tanya for spending some time with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Here is Tanya. Tanya, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome About Your Job podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to dig into this good stuff. I understand you have a fondness for building things yourself. What's the backstory here?
1: I do. It's one of those things where I love power tools. <laughs> it's something that not many people necessarily know about me because it's not something I talk about a lot professionally. But for me, there's something about building something with your hands And I find that when I'm at my most stressed, if I have you know a lot of things going on at work, it helps me to really tackle a big project. So I might gut a bathroom, I might tear apart a deck and rebuild it. It's just something that I really enjoy because I like working with my hands, I like the creative aspect of it. But there's a lot of that analytical, that logical part to it with the measuring and everything else. So every year for my birthday. One of the things that I gift for myself is I make a trip to the hardware store, I buy hardware, and I build a different piece of furniture every year for my birthday.
0: Oh, that's cool. I, <laughs> that's <laughs> I know, excellent. it's kind of
1: a random thing, right? <laughs> well, I,
0: I, you know, I, wish, I wish I were that good at things. And, and I'm getting better, you know, as this has been my year uh, of being a, a homeowner and landlord in, in our little three flat here. Mm, and that
1: definitely changes that those things, you know? It, it that, that's when you really become better at power tools mm-hmm. when you have to.
0: <laughs> well, it, it is, and it's so funny just because it, I, I guess it sort of has the opposite effect on me because it's like I have a very clear picture of what I want done, and uh, why isn't it already done? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, no, and I will just order this online. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah.
0: yeah. and then the instructions, it's, it's sort of like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, four steps later, it's like, oh, I see why I should have done that thing now. Oops. Let's backtrack.
1: <laughs> see, I think for me, I really like how I can, I can customize a piece. So it fits exactly where I want it to fit. So, you know, if I, I have a little alcove and I want to put a desk in there, I want to make it exactly the right size that I want it. And I want to configure it you know, so it fits what I want, which kind of fits into how I talk about productivity. It's really about customizing. And that's what I love about building things yourself is that I'll sit down with a piece of paper and I'll sketch it out. And then I'll kind of dream. It's kind of like setting a goal. I'll set a dream for myself of what I want to build. And then I get started with the logistics of how I'm going to build it, what I need to cut, how many pieces of wood do I need and all of that. So I think it kind of fits into what I do professionally, but it's, a really creative outlet for me. And I just love looking at something and saying, you know what, I built that.
0: Yes. Yes. That that is satisfying. I I only have a few things (laughs) that I can point to, (laughs) but uh, it it does feel good. I even feel proud of, I have a treadmill desk, quote unquote, which is really just a a piece of plywood that has been sawed just perfectly (laughs) for the dimensions, (laughs) but it makes a difference. Like I can now do some things while walking on the treadmill
1: you know what? It works. It doesn't have yeah. to be beautiful. It just has to work, right?
0: <laughs> I made that in the sense that I told the guy at Home Depot how many inches it should be, and then he did it. And, and it works great. wrong
1: using the guy cutting the wood at Home, at home Depot to take care yeah. of it for you. That's called delegating, <laughs> totally. right? It's right. outsourcing, and that's a good thing.
0: Well, and, and I could have purchased a, a fancy thing on Amazon for five times the price, so I, I did feel right. sort, of, sort of clever there. Well, anyway, That's uh, that's building things. Let's talk about, uh, you know, the company you've built and and what you do. Inkwell Press. uh, Where's the where's the name come from and and what is it all about?
1: That's a good question, because I'll be honest, when we were sitting down and thinking about starting Inkwell Press, I think it was like a 20 page document of names (laughs) We're just, you know, brainstorming and thinking through names. And the whole process really of starting the business was very, very intentional. I had had a previous business and I made the decision to close that first business that I grew. I started that first business starting with $50 and I grew it to the point where my husband could come work with me. And I found that even though I loved the life that I had, you know, it had allowed, it allowed us to work together, it allowed us to move where we wanted to move, which is Asheville, North Carolina. I didn't really love what I was putting out into the world. I didn't love the impact that I was making. And so I made this decision to close that business even though that was our sole income for our family it you know paid our mortgage and paid for things like building furniture and fed my kids but I wasn't passionate about it and so I made the decision that I was going to close that business and so when I decided I wanted to open up Inkwell Press it was a really really intentional process it was me sitting down really thinking about what I am most passionate about And creating a business around my true purpose. And so, through that process, I began to uncover what I really wanted to do. And so, I wanted the name to really fit with what I was doing. And so, the name Inkwell Press has, um, you know, ink is in lowercase and then well is in all caps because it's really about having a life that's well lived. It's really about living well. And so, all of our products have that well. Aspect to it. So, our planners are called the Live Well planners, our meal planners, the Eat Well planner. And so, to me, it's really about at the heart of what I talk about to people and what I produce and offer to people. It really is about living their best life. And so, I wanted the name to reflect that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, intriguing. So, I'd love to, to dig into this. And, and you have yeah. a, a lot of perspective when it comes to living well, particularly <laughs> in the realm of, of productivity. And so you've got the podcast, The Productivity Paradox, and, and a course, and, and more. So I, I would just love to, to dig all around this area. And, and maybe we can start with when folks are feeling overwhelmed, there's too much. They're panicked. It's just, uh, well, it's overwhelming. It's, it's overwhelming.
1: <laughs> what, it's so true. What do you do with that? Well, what's funny is that I talk to a lot of people in all different walks of life, people who work for corporations, people who are entrepreneurs, people who are students, women and men and all different kinds of people of all different ages. And I'll say to them when I meet them, you know, how do you feel about work? How do you feel about your business? How do you feel about your tasks at home? And the word I hear again and again is overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed by the amount of things that they have to do. And so I have this belief that I believe that far too many people feel overwhelmed by everything they have to do each day. So they push aside their goals and their dreams because of that overwhelm. And so I really think that the purpose behind what I talk about and what I create is to help alleviate that overwhelm. So I often tell people that overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And so that's what I like to talk to people about. Where do you start? How do you prioritize? How do you figure out what it is you want to do first? What do you want to do next? And then really creating a life that's around that. Because at its heart, productivity is not about getting things done. It's about doing what is most important. And that is really what helps us feel really satisfied and really happy with our days. You know, too often, I feel like people run around busy all day long. When they slip into bed at night and their head hits the pillow, they feel really unsatisfied. They feel unsuccessful. I should have done more. Why didn't I get more done? Even though they were busy all day long. And that's because they're living in this state of overwhelm. Instead of really working on the tasks that will move them forward towards the life they want, towards their goals, they're putting out all these fires. And so that's really what I like to talk to people about is getting over that feeling of overwhelm, cutting through the noise and the clutter, and getting to what is most important to you. And that's really the the heart of it, too, is that to you part. It has to be customized to you. Too often... These productivity systems that people teach you know and talk about they're designed so that the productivity system's in the center and you're supposed to work your life around it and I teach the opposite. I believe your life and your priorities are at the center, and then we create a system together to work around that so that way your priorities are always front and center in your life and that's what helps you know alleviate a lot of that overwhelm is really knowing where you want to focus
0: and that's that's really. It's really astute and intriguing as I as I ponder this, and I think there are times which we if we feel overwhelmed, sort of temporarily, in terms of oh, this month, it's almost sort of like maybe too many commitments have appeared at the same time.
1: They do tend to align like that, don't they? Like like the planets all align and everything's coming at the same time.
0: So I guess that does, that's for my experience of overwhelm. Most often is is I don't feel overwhelmed for like a whole year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but I feel overwhelmed. Oh, this month and that month and maybe that month. So maybe a quarter right. of the year, you know, I'm overwhelmed, which is, which is a quarter of the year too much for me. So, right. so how do you think about some of the, the, those dimensions in terms of It's just like a, a confluence of stuff like, well, here we are with, with family and work or and, and all, volunteering all the other, yes. and
1: projects all at and once. yeah, people pulling on us. Yeah. You know, a lot of times that that convergence of everything hitting at the same time, you know, sometimes that is out of your control, but a lot of times it really is in your control. It comes down to the choices you're making. Productivity at its heart is about making a series of choices every day of what you're going to focus on, what you're going to work on. And so, you know, often I tell people that if you're finding that you're in this state where you feel like, you know, everything is aligning at the same time and your weeks are so jam-packed, you feel like you can barely breathe, it's because you're saying yes too much. And I think we, we feel obligated oftentimes to say yes. It feels good in the moment. And then five seconds later, you think, why did I do that, <laughs> you know? Or we feel guilty, like we're supposed to say yes. But I like to remind people that every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. And we don't realize that we're saying no every single time we're saying yes. And oftentimes, the things that we are saying no to are the things that are our priorities, our family, our passion projects, our goals, time for ourselves, those things that are really important to us, we'll push those aside and say no to them in order to say yes to somebody else's passion project or whatever it is. And so often I like people to really look at what are these opportunities that are showing up for you and do you have to say yes to every single one of them? You know, we have this belief that opportunity only knocks once. and Sometimes that's true, but just because it knocks once doesn't mean you have to open the door every single time. We really need to filter and figure out what is it that you want to say yes to. What are your yeses? Because oftentimes when we're saying yes to everything, you know, we're really at our heart saying no to the things that are going to make us happy in the long run.
0: Tell us when it comes to establishing these matters that are are, are deeply important and, and worth saying yes to, how do you think through those to to identify that really well and clearly?
1: People get caught up in this idea that everything should be treated equally. They want to treat all tasks as equal when really we need to stop and prioritize. And you know, we think that by doing all the things, we're really moving forward. But when we try to do everything. We end up doing nothing. We're kind of spinning in circles and we're not really moving forward in that direction we wanna go. And so I really think it's important for you to stop and prioritize. And really what I tell people is use your North Star as your filter. So when I talk about your North Star, it's really your mission statement. So not just what you do, but why you do it, right? That's your mission statement. So using your mission statement, using your vision statement, Where are you dreaming that you want to go? And then your core values, which is what's defining your actions. So your mission statement, your vision statement, and your core values work together to create what I call your North Star. And that's what helps guide you. When opportunities show up to us, what we should do is we should ask ourselves, does this fulfill what it is I want to do? What is this to fulfill my mission? Or does it fulfill my vision, where I want to go? Does it fulfill one of my core values, something that is truly important to me that I want to define my life? And when we use that as our filter, that really can help us understand what we want to say yes to and what we want to say no to. A lot of people get confused when we're talking about tasks and they feel like, well, tasks that are important and tasks that are urgent are basically the same. They think that urgent and important are two of the exact same things, and they're really not. Important tasks are tasks that drive you forward. They move you towards that North Star of where it is you want to go. While urgent tasks are simply tied to time. They're not necessarily important. They're just a fire that feels like it needs to be put out. It's the, you know, the pings on your phone and the the phone calls and the, all those different things. And so they feel important because they're so urgent. But many times we take care of those urgent items before we take care of what's really important, even if those urgent items aren't really important to us. So I think that really helps us to prioritize if we filter and we figure out what it is we really want to do using that North Star and then asking ourselves, is this truly important to me? Is this really going to move me towards the life I really want?
0: Okay. Well and working with your clients, I'd love it if you could share you know, some examples of of mission statements, visions, and and operating values. What what does that articulation sound like in words?
1: Yeah, well, one of the things that I feel like people get caught up in with mission statements and vision statements and core values is it feels so heavy, right? It seems like this really big thing. And so I think for a lot of people, that's a big roadblock. That becomes something that feels so heavy and important that they just think, "I I can't even deal with it, right? It feels too big. But I like to remind people that just like you grow and evolve, your Mission statement and your vision statement and your core values they grow and evolve with you. The person you are today is not the same person you were five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, or beyond. You have changed, and so has your North Star. So, really, one of the things that I find that most people get really caught up in, when especially when we're talking about mission statements, is they think about all the different things they do. So, they want a mission statement that ties in all the different tasks, work and home and volunteer stuff, and maybe homeschooling their kids and maybe, you know, what they're doing for their promotion. And so they become, this becomes this big mishmash, this really long mission statement. And so what I really try to get people to do is to list those items, list those things that they really do enjoy and what they do. And then I ask them to figure out why is it you do that? The why is really the heart of your mission statement. Your mission statement doesn't have to say exactly what it is you do, but it speaks to why you choose to do it. I do this because it helps others to live a better life. I do this because this fulfills my need to educate other people. I do this because I love helping the elderly. I do what I do. So that's really what we want to do is we want to distill it down to what do these tasks that you really enjoy doing, what do they have in common? What is the common why that you experience there? That's the heart of your mission statement. So I usually tell people that your mission statement starts with two, because it tells you what you do. And then it's really short to the point. It's easy to remember, it's easy to, to, to talk to, and it's easy to use as your filter. You don't want to make it so complicated and so convoluted that it's muddling everything up. It's supposed to help clarify. And then when we think about the vision statement, that at its heart, it's not about goal setting. It's really about dreaming big. It's about dreaming about where you want to go. For me, I want to be the global solution to help women uncover their priorities all while keeping my own in focus. So you can see it's big. I'm saying global there, right? but I also say it in a way that makes it sound like it's absolute. It's absolutely going to happen. I don't say, well, I'd like to, or boy, it would be nice to. You say it as an absolute. Where is it I really want to go? If I can dream as big as possible, that's the beauty of vision statements, is it really allows you to stretch yourself. And then the core values, which is the other part of that North Star, Those are the things that define your actions. You know, what are the things that really define what's important to you on this path towards that vision that connects you from your mission to your vision? And so really it's taking those together and then using that as your filter.
0: And so then the the vision, then you say that's that's not like, you know, 10 life goals, but it's rather sort of a big unifying dream.
1: Yeah, it's a bold statement. Mm -hmm. It's a bold statement about where it is You are going to go.
0: And so it sounds like the vision you provided is in a professional sense, but you also included sort of your own thing in there as a. Yeah,
1: because it's important to me that I don't just talk about productivity. I don't just talk about living an intentional life. It's really important to me that I live that life. If I'm going to talk to people about being intentional, being mindful, I really need to make sure that I'm doing that for myself at the same time. So keeping my own priorities really in focus all along.
0: And when it comes to the values, could we, could we hear some example articulations of those?
1: Yeah. So, like for me, intentionality is really important. Adventure, learning, all of those things tie in to what it is I want to do. So, learning fits into that because I love learning. I love reading about studies. I love learning and figuring out how your brain works so that when I am talking to people on the podcast or, you know, on episodes of Tanya TV or wherever, I'm able to really give them evidence. Like, this is how our brain works. So, you know, it it helps people understand like, oh, I'm not alone in this. This is normal or this is okay. For me, that core value of learning is really important because that's part of not just what makes me happy as an individual, as a person, it also really helps me professionally. Um, One of my other core values is adventure. So I'm an entrepreneur. You can't be an entrepreneur without loving some adventure because there is no stability (laughs) with entrepreneurship. So that really ties in there as well, really pushing the boundaries of what I know and allowing me to stretch beyond my comfort zone, which is another thing that I talk a lot about, really getting out of where we feel most comfortable, you know, like those comfortable sweatpants that we wear and stretching ourselves to try new things. I started a podcast almost 100 episodes ago, which seems crazy, but that was a, an opportunity for me for the adventure of stretching myself and tying in that core value of learning because, you know, I didn't know anything about podcasting before I got started. So having these core values allows you to really look and say, what, what is it I want to do? What actions do I want to do to move me towards that vision?
0: Okay, really cool. I know a lot of folks when they're, they're thinking about productivity or balance and stuff, they, this, this work-life balance or work-life integration concept is, is tricky and fraught with guilt. They feel like we're letting (laughs) Mm -hmm. down family or letting down colleagues. How do you think about this?
1: Well, I'm a big believer that balance is bogus, that there is no balance. I think the, you know, balance is what I like to call a rainbow problem. It sounds really good, but it doesn't really exist. You can't really get there. Because if we're balanced, it means that all the areas of our life are equal. And by definition, if all areas are equal, we're not really leaning into one area or the other. We're standing still. We're really stagnant. What we really need is harmony. And by that, I mean, we need to lean into the different areas of our life. So I talk about these three areas of our life of work, personal, and home. And When you really want to move forward in one of those areas, let's say you really want to work towards a work goal, you have to lean into that area. You have to spend a little more time, a little more energy, a little more attention at work. And so we can't spend as much time maybe on our home goals or our personal goals. So the trick here, though, is this. We can't lean into work and stay leaned over. It's kind of like riding a bike. If you want to ride a bike, you can go straight all day long and stay perfectly balanced. But if you want to go in any direction, like you want to turn right, you have to shift your balance over, right? So we can't stay leaned over so far. We have to eventually shift back up so we're upright. Otherwise, we'd fall down. And it's the same way in life. We can lean into these areas. Let's say we're leaning into work because we're working on getting a promotion. So after a quarter, then we need to shift back. And maybe then we need to lean a little bit more into our personal life or lean more into our home life and figure out what those goals are. So that way we're not staying too shifted in one area, but we're continually moving that balance back and forth. And so I think counterbalance is so important. So I often talk to people about balance doesn't really exist because we don't want all things to be even. We really wanna look at the harmony of the whole. So looking at the harmony of a year or looking at the harmony of a week, Balance seems to fit in this tight constraint of 24 hours, and we think, gosh, I have to get all of my priorities taken care of in this 24-hour period. Well, if you look a little bit wider and you zoom out and you look at the 168 hours we have in a week, it's much easier to see where you're leaning in and counterbalancing and then leaning into a different area and counterbalancing. Yeah, maybe you didn't make it home for dinner on Monday night, but you made it home for dinner four nights that week. See, if we just look at the balance of the 24, we get to Monday evening and we feel like we failed. Gosh, you know what? I never make it home. I never, you know, spend time with the family. I'm so busy working. I'm so disappointed in myself, right? This is the talk that we have with ourselves. But if you really zoom back and you look at the harmony of the 168 and you see, okay, I didn't make it home on Monday, but I made it home on Tuesday. I made it home on Thursday. I made it home on Friday. I did pretty good. I made it home the majority of the days that's really where our happiness lies. It's okay that we're not taking care of all of our priorities every single day, as long as they're getting taken care of overall.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. Thank you. Well, I also want to get your take on when it comes to the sort of the key habits, practices, routines that sort of make all the difference for, for keeping things you know, flowing and operating well week after week.
1: Yeah, well, I love habits because, you know, I think sometimes people think about habits and they think about, you know, biting your nails or smoking. And so habits can sometimes have this bad connotation, but habits are really, you know, an amazing thing. There was actually a Duke University study that showed that about 40 to 45% of our daily actions are actually habits. We're already using habits to a degree. I mean, think about it. When we get dressed in the morning, we don't have to think about each and every step of putting on our pants, or, you know, brushing our teeth. We do these things, you know, without thinking about it, they become habits. So I love taking habits, and really making them intentional, really making them so that they push us towards spending time on our priorities, that they push us towards that life that we really want to live. And they take a lot of that thinking out of it. So some of the habits that I really like, I get up in the morning, I have a morning routine which is essentially just a series of habits that go one after the other, each one triggering and acting as a springboard for the next. So I like to get up early in the morning before everybody else in the house is up because I find that that's a great time to get my work done and really focus. And so I get up in the morning and I start with a little bit of meditation, a little bit of prayer. Then I go and I get a glass of water. And this was a habit that I actively worked to uh, cultivate because first of all, I'm not a morning person. (laughs) So I tell people I get up early and they're like, well, you must be a morning person. So it's easy. I'm not a morning person at all. So I discovered that one of the, the things that you can do to really help yourself in the morning is to have a glass of water because your body is dehydrated after not having any water all evening long while you were sleeping. And that really gives you a boost. So that's one of the first things I do. I have a glass of water. Then I brush my teeth. Then I go out into the living room, I do some stretches and I start working. And then I go through the routine of, you know, waking up my kids when it's time to do that and making lunches, that whole fun routine. But then one of the things that I really think has made the biggest difference, which is part of that morning routine or this morning habit, is when I get to my office space, I start with 10 minutes of focused planning. And that for me is the habit that has really changed the way I feel about my day. It really gives me this ownership over my time. So I sit down before I've checked email. At this point, I have not checked in with email. I've not let anybody else's fires become my fires. And I sit down and I plan out what I want to accomplish for the day. And I sit down, I don't make a to do list because I do not believe in to do lists. I make a priority list. I create a priority list and I start at the top and I work my way down the whole day and then after my 10 minutes of planning, then I worry about checking in with email and then they can come in and they fit into my day wherever they fit because at that point I've put in my important tasks into my day. So I really feel like that's one of the best habits that I've created for myself is this 10 minutes of planning. And then at the end of my work day, I do this habit I call it the five minutes to peak productivity, where I spend a minute writing down my wins for the day. I write down for 1 minute how I felt about my day, what was my stress like, did I put too much on my plate. Then I spend a minute writing down the things I'm grateful for for that day. Then I write down for the next minute, minute 4, I write down how have I worked towards a goal because I believe you should work towards at least one goal every single day. And then the last minute, I write down what are the things I would like to focus on for tomorrow. And that allows me to get those items out of my head and onto the paper. So when I go home, I'm not thinking about work anymore. And what I do with that sheet of paper, that five minutes to peak productivity, I leave it on my desk. So that way, when I come in the next day for my 10 minutes of planning, I have a little springboard right there, ready to help me with my 10 minutes of planning. I look through, I can see my wins from the day before. I see what I said, you know, the day before that I wanted to focus on. And I use that to build my momentum.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's excellent. And, and I like the way you said it, the 10 minutes of planning, Creates the ownership in terms of all right, this is the game plan, and then and then you've done it prior to email. I've been I've been getting more into that myself in terms of of that making all the difference there, and and it's so sort email. of oh, go ahead. yeah.
1: I was say, email can be such a rabbit hole, right? We get in it and we're we're digging through, and it never seems like we're at the bottom of it, and it generally is filled with a lot of things that other people need from us. So I think it's so important to have that ownership over our time and to feel like we are choosing how we spend our time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm curious to know. so with that 10 minutes in sort of you're referencing your yesterday uh, thoughts that you wrote down in one of those five minutes, are there any other kind of key sources that you're looking to during this 10 minute window? Is it, is it your calendar? Is it your, your vision? Or what are some of the, does the, the, it come right out of your head or are mm-hmm. you kind of referencing back some, some documented pieces in tr- generating the plan of the day?
1: Yeah, I love that question because we don't want things floating around in our head because then they're just taking up room, right? (laughs) It takes up space and it takes up a lot of the the calories that our brain is burning. We want to get them out of there. So what I do is I do a brain dump. I call it a purge. I do a brain dump on Sunday. I do it for my family. And on Monday morning, I do it for work. So I very intentionally keep those separated. I don't want to think about work necessarily till Monday morning so that my Sunday is really focused on family. So what I do during that time is I write out what are the things I want to accomplish this week and I pull things from my calendar and I'm writing down and just getting the things out of my head. So that when I'm sitting down for that 10 minutes of focused planning each day, I take that weekly kickstart, that's what I call it. Um I take that weekly kickstart and I'm pulling from that in order to put in what I want to accomplish. The nice thing about that that purge, that brain dump is that that's allowing me to do that zooming out that we talked about, looking at my week as a whole getting a bird's eye view of where I am and where I want to go for that week. And so from that, I'm pulling each day. So I'm not just, you know, pulling it out of thin air or having to to do a lot of thinking. It's really automatic and on autopilot because most of my ideas and thoughts, I've already gotten down onto paper.
0: Excellent. Okay. Well, well, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and talk about some of your favorite things.
1: Well, let's see. There's so many things. I love talking about productivity And I think the thing is that I think people get caught up in when we're talking about how we want to run our day and how we want to live our lives is we get caught up in this idea of of doing so much and feeling good about checking a lot of items off our list. And I just want to remind people that life is about quality rather than quantity. It's not about checking a lot of items off our list. It really is creating that life we really love and that life that we want. And so when we really intentionally build these habits into our day so that what is important to us, it's front and center, that really allows us to feel so much more successful at the end of the day.
0: Lovely. Well, now can you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring?
1: Yeah, my favorite quote is from Oprah. And she says, do not think you can be brave with your life and your work and never disappoint anyone. It doesn't work that way.
0: Mm, Lovely.
1: I, Mm. I think that's really important, especially when you are trying to take ownership and focus on you know, living life with your priorities. There, there might be some people who are disappointed that you're not going to say yes to everything they ask you to do, but it doesn't work that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oprah's pretty smart.
0: And and you mentioned you liked the learning the studies. Is there a favorite study or experiment or bit of research that really resonates with you?
1: Yeah. Well, I mentioned that Duke University study, which is one of my favorites. But I have another study from the University of London that I really love. It was on multitasking. What I love about it is. So many people are so proud of how they multitask and they think that, you know, multitasking is really helping them be more productive. And what this study found is that when you multitask, not only does it really take you longer to do the work, but the quality of your work suffers significantly. As a matter of fact, when people multitask, they do the same work that's equivalent to someone who has missed an entire night of sleep or someone who has smoked marijuana. (laughs) And people are usually surprised by that. Uh, because they think that they're being so productive. But really, when we're trying to multitask and do too much, our work really suffers. But the most astounding thing, I think, from that study was this. They found that the better someone believed they were at multitasking, the worse they were. Intriguing. (laughs) So I think that's fascinating, right? Because we think that we're really good at it, but we're really not so good.
0: And how about a favorite book?
1: My favorite book of all time is Jane Eyre, because I just love classic novels. um, And that's just a genre that I love. So that is my favorite fiction book that I go back and revisit every year or so.
0: And how about a favorite tool?
1: Uh, Well, my Inkwell Press products, of course.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) For that routine that I was telling you about, I have a notepad that helps you with your brain dump. And then I sit down with my daily planner and that has a priority list built into it. So you can really just plug in your items and categorize them by priority. And so I think that really helps.
0: And a favorite habit?
1: My favorite habit is probably my 10 minutes of focused planning that I do every day. I really feel like that sets me in the right path for every single day. And I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they try to plan out their whole week, let's say on Sunday, but then it's really easy to get behind and then feel like you're underwater the whole rest of the week. So really taking that 10 minutes to plan that day and to make the plans for that day achievable makes a world of difference.
0: And is there a particular nugget that you share that really seems to connect and resonate and people quote it back to you?
1: The one that resonates with a lot of people I think is that overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And so I I think that resonates because once we figure out together, you know, where it is you want to start and what you want to do next, that feeling of overwhelm really does go away. And it really feels a lot better to be more in charge of your day.
0: And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them to?
1: I would probably send them to my website, inkwellpress.com, because I have links to my podcast there. I have links to my courses. My episodes of Tanya TV are there. And of course, my products are there as well.
0: All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs?
1: Yeah. Well, this is what I would say is a lot of times we hear advice or we hear, you know, tips and, and thoughts and ideas and we get excited about it and we want to try to implement everything all at once. What I would say is start small take one piece of advice, maybe something that I talked about today. Maybe it's taking and doing the 10 minutes of focused planning and focus on just doing that one thing for the next month. Build that in as a habit and then use that as a springboard to start building in other habits that really help you live intentionally. Starting small and feeling some success and getting some wins under your belt really can go far in helping us not feel that overwhelmed.
0: Well, Tanya, thanks so much for taking this time. It's been a a whole lot of fun. I wish you tons of luck with the podcast, Productivity Paradox, and the company, Inkwell Press, and all that you're up to.
1: Well, thank you so much. This was great being on here. I really enjoyed being on your show.
0: I really appreciate Tanya's take about how not all tasks are equal, and it's about prioritizing. And I think we know that at some level, but at the same time, when you look at a to-do list, all the items are about, you know, one line each, maybe a similar word count and a similar, I don't know, font, you know, if you're writing it down at, it- Size, and it, it really is is easy to to lose sight of that again and again. And I'm a huge fan of the the eighty twenty principle and and Richard Koch. Well, should have on the show, and not too long he wrote that book and it's an excellent one. And it, it's pretty wild how if, if you've heard of that, you know, it's like eighty percent of results come from twenty percent of causes, and that would also include your to do list. Like eighty percent of the the impact you're trying to achieve comes from twenty percent of the activities that you do to achieve that. Now, I won't get into the mathematics of it, but what that implies is that 20% of vital few activities as compared to the 80% trivial many activities, it works out that the, the vital few activities are 16 times as impactful as the trivial many. Someday I will unpack those mathematics in detail if you care, but for now, if you'll take my word for it, 16 times is the the multiplier between the, the top 20% of activities and, and the others. It's huge. And so you might even imagine Writing your to-do list with the super high priority items being 16 times the size of that. And then when you cross that off the list, it's like, oh, wow, I really did an awesome job on my to-do list because of what I've managed to check off, even though a number of things didn't get done. So useful reminder, don't let the the size of the item on the to-do list or any other false indicator lull you back into the default belief that, that all tasks are equal, for they are not so thanks, Tanya, for that reminder. Again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F364. And I hope you subscribe if you haven't already. You'll hear from our next guest. is Dawn Graham. She's a career coach over at Wharton, and she has got some deep expertise on career switching, how it's done well, what to do and what not to do. Until next time, peace.